0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What?, a comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Graham McMillan and I ring in May with a two-hour discussion of the latest news and less than the latest comics. Today, we wrap about the DC first issue special collection, particularly the amazing Walt Simonson-Drawn issue of Dr. Fate, Absolute Carnage, Amazing Spider-Man Full Circle, brightest day the trade collecting house of x and powers of 10 tales of the dark multiverse and the recent live stream from diamond ceo steve Jeppy. we welcome your comments at wait what your questions at wait what podcast at gmail.com and we invite you to look out for us on twitter tumblr instagram and patreon as always we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. <laughs> Graham McMillan! Chad
1: <laughs> Lester, what is that? Okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> I, I won, by the way. Uh, we, this is just the opening of the episode now, officially. Okay. Uh, the second time, it just opened up a uh, video. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to turn the video off and instead hung up on you, <laughs> which is why I called you back. First of all, <laughs> is this actually recording because I called you?
0: Yes, it actually is recording, so we're good on that front. What's great is I click on the button to call you instead of do-do-do, it just suddenly... Like yes. there, I heard and just it's like it didn't ring for me. No. All of a sudden, it's just on video. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden, it was like dog barking, and then there's your face, and that sort of Kilroy was here like angle that your camera's angled at. It was like what, and then it was great because I started to say something, and then you hung up on me, and I'm like, because oh, I was like, I'm taking a video, and it literally just hung up on and you. I would say, bang. So okay. whatnots. In case you're wondering how we've been this week, I think that that is an. Excellent, excellent oh, no, description. No, we
1: should also say that like this is the second time. Well, that was the second time you called me because the first time also went to video. Oh, <laughs>
0: that
1: yeah. That is how we're doing. Well, yeah. It's, um, everything's great. Mm-hmm. Hi. Yes. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi.
0: Hello. Yeah, uh, in case you were wondering what not, the first call, I ended up calling Graham, asking to call him like uh, 10 minutes late, and then it ended up being an additional 10 minutes because it looked like my computer was dying and i was uh to put it mildly freaking the fuck out and then i was able to log in and so these video shenanigans have just been uh, a tonic to my soul
1: a it's tonic. it's been a joy for you to see uh like literally like me from nose up from a, a really unflattering angle
0: yeah i don't know about that i don't know if it's unflattering.
1: I, mean, I i'm gonna put it out there it was unflattering. Okay, okay. I I like. See I that. bless you for for saying otherwise, but we both know
0: you're wrong. Well, um, yeah. All right. So you say, Graham McMillan. I I I I begged to defer. Hey, so everyone, hey. it's a it's a new it's a new podcast. It's a it's, it's a, a new month. It's a it's another chance to get things right or to get it right. Is is that the Andrew Vox? Yes. Shit, it is. Yeah. Well, that book was
1: really big in like 1989 or something, wasn't
0: it? It's what was. Was
1: it 89
0: or was it?
1: I'm 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 guessing because I thought
0: Jeff Darrow did the. Maybe he was that a new edition that he did some illustrations for because I remember uh, it being like a thing. Is another life? No. Oh, maybe that's another life as opposed to another chance to get
1: things right. No, another chance to get it right is an Vax book.
0: Right. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. But I must, I must, um, I think I am confusing it with the Dark And
1: thing. that book came out. It didn't come out in 2016. Uh, when it was it originally published? <laughs> you can tell me. Dark Horse did an edition in 2016, is what I've just discovered. Oh, good. Um, not what either of us were thinking of. No, not yeah. at all.
0: Um, 1991. Wow okay yeah you were closer i would have put it a little more solidly in the mid-90s so shows you shows you what i know shows you what i knew graham mcmillan i kind of thought that it would be a good idea to talk about uh potential comic news of the week you know pick the brilliance from your mind first sure Uh, let's
1: let's do that and mm -hmm. then i'll talk about countdown to final crisis for an hour that seemed to work out last
0: time (laughs) It's funny uh, you mention that because there are some topics from the last episode that I want slash need to revisit. so Oh my
1: god, I'm excited! I do want to say, is Countdown to Final Crisis one of them?
0: I wish I could say that it was,
1: but it is. Okay, in that case, I will say this very quickly. Okay, um, David Walken, friend of the podcast, texted me this week to let me know that he remembered Countdown to Final Crisis. Uh, <laughs> Literally, he was just like, I remember reading that, and you can <laughs> tell the trend. It is, like, <laughs> and I appreciate that. <laughs> That's excellent. excellent. Um, Yeah. Okay, comics news this week. Uh, Diamond has given dates for uh, reopening. Right. Or or uh, redistributing comics. Mm -hmm. And Marvel has given dates. And Marvel's date is a week later than Diamond's. Interesting. Did you know that about the Marvel stuff? Uh, No, I did not. Okay, so uh, Diamond said we're coming back. Our target date is May 20th. Um, And they said that, I think, on Monday. Mm -hmm. And... Maybe Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, um, and then they they gave um, Steve Jeppy gave a, a two hour long live stream.
0: Interview this is what Monday I wanted June. to
1: hear you talk about because your
0: Which, tweets were fuck, amazing. Fuck, fuck.
1: Okay, yeah. so the Diamond News is literally just May twentieth. They're coming back. They uh, it's still not an officially firm date. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're doing they're going through the motions, but they they still pretty much said like things can change. So you know we'll see what happens. Right. Um, but May 20th they're coming back Uh, by that point DC will have been distributing for four weeks Mm -hmm. uh, through Lunar and UCS Mm -hmm. Um, there was some initial confusion because of a badly worded statement on Diamond's part Mm -hmm. where it seemed as if what they were initially saying was everything that DC had originally said they were going to be releasing by May 20th Diamond was going to ship in the first week Mm. which would have been insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they actually meant was everything that the other two distributors have distributed, Mm. Diamond will be shipping that week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So which makes more sense, but it's still going to be a chunk of comics.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Um, They made this announcement and Steve Jeppy did uh, a live stream with, I honestly can't remember the name of the site, comic book news, maybe Mm. Um, uh, for, for two hours with a bunch of retailers uh to ostensibly talk about this. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that if that was the aim, that wasn't what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. i'd <laughs> be tried, although I've got it I've got to say everyone who participated um did not come out of it well. <laughs> Every single person Ooh, who participated in the really? live huh. did not. Come out of it okay. Well. Okay. Um a part of it is I said this to a bunch of people at the time, although I don't think I said it uh in Twitter, although maybe it did. Um it was like a Donald Trump press conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a weird level of, you know, obsequiousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a strange assumption that, like, Diamond was the uh, good faith player mm-hmm. in everything, mm-hmm. which is just nuts to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Jeppy can't answer a question straight mm-hmm. at tall. Um and everyone seemed fine with letting him off, letting him off the hook. Right. But in part because, like, honestly, pretty much only Brian Hibbs asked him anything that was important. Mm. Um, and even then, like, you know, one of his que- one of Hibbs's questions was, in essence, can you let everyone know that Diamond is not going to go bust? Mm. Um, and Jeffy's answer was fucking surreal. Really it was like diamonds never been healthier we got a ppp we got a triple p loan from the government like we can keep going he said something like we can get going for for weeks if we have to (laughs) that's not good though like he also said um Diamond's employees were doing financially better now because they were on unemployment and they were getting a stimulus check from the government. Yeah, that Which was again, the
0: comment where I like, just was like, "It's
1: like, no, yeah, what, what the fuck are you saying?" Yeah, um, you know, there, there was a bunch of that. Uh, Joe Field shows up and and says a question that he since showed up on my Twitter to be like, "That's not what I was meaning at all." But to my mind, he essentially said, um, you know, can you vouch for DC not trying to destroy the drag market by going with these new retailers,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is, it, it nuts to me. Well, I mean, he, Joe, Joe Field is a pretty uh, smart guy. I mean, sort of like, I'm kind of like, I don't understand, like, part of me is like, it makes more sense to say that he was, I don't know, nervous or came off weird because How would Diamond even have the ability to to vouch for that? You know what I I mean? That like everyone, everyone,
1: including Hibs, Mm -hmm. on this live stream, basically sort of approached Jeppy as, like I said, like the one good faith player, Mm -hmm. the one guy who's actually standing up for comics, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is nuts, Mm -hmm. you know. And it was like you've talked to DC. Can you let us know? Can you reassure us that DC's got everyone's best interests at heart? Right. And it's like, why are you asking this fucking guy?
0: <laughs> well, I, I assume, I mean, I, I assume it, it, it would or has been covered elsewhere. But um, <laughs> one thing is is that I don't know how much interaction those guys have directly with Jeppy, But... You know, Hibbs, of course, has been doing business with Diamond for decades. For, like,
1: decades, yeah. And honestly, that came across, and that was honestly something else that left a bad taste in my mouth, Mm -hmm. which was it was a bunch of, with the exception of the host, who I'm going to say the host is mid to late 30s, Mm -hmm. it was an exception of guys who looked to be in their 50s, Mm -hmm. who have known each other for decades— Going, <laughs> hey you, hey hey hey, remember this wacky anecdote? Right, and that's not. I mean, it's fine if that's what you tune in for. Mm-hmm. But if you tune in because you think that the guy in charge of the monopolistic distributor is going to talk about the state of the industry, that's an entirely different thing altogether.
0: Well, no, I I absolutely I I get your frustration with that, but of course, part of me is like, you know uh to it it almost seems a little naive in a way oh no
1: no 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 I, I I get what you're saying right like why, why should I have expected anything different from a bunch of guys who have been doing business and honestly Jeppy's talking to retailers it doesn't behoove any of the retailers to antagonize
0: Jeppy. well exactly I mean they have they have business relationships with but the thing that's weird is you know jeppy has more power than any yes, individual exactly. retailer he's exactly. weaker than the re- than than all of them but any single one of them so yes. yeah so yeah. that
1: yeah that, you that... don't like you don't want to piss this guy off right. but the, like it's you know i there was a uh, I think I, I even transcribed from the video but one of his quotes jeppy's quotes mm-hmm. like he was not making fucking sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? He was he was just like just talking.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah.
1: Um and and no one seemed to be everyone seemed to think this was funny. hmm Or this was fine. Mm-hmm. And again, this is the guy in charge of, you know, with the exception of DC, the monopoly distributor. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Of everyone. And when it came to the issue of DC, everyone thought DC was acting suspiciously by looking for other distributors. Mm -hmm. You know? And like Jeppy was doing some wacky attempts at like like passive-aggressive weirdness about the other distributors. Mm -hmm. Uh, He only called them by their retailer names. Mm -hmm. Kept on talking about how they were great customers of his.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then he'd say things like, you know, Competition's great. Like, sure, we can have a hundred percent of the entire pie, but if the pie gets bigger, we can have ninety percent, and that's great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were just coming across as shady shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he also kept referring to his good friend Michael. I think it was Michael Milken. You know, the guy who, was yeah, the, the, the yeah, the guy on who, Fox News. Yeah, yeah. He referred to him all the time. Um, yeah, it was it was that just... guy
0: who actually went to prison. It's yes, amazing yeah. no, no, that no, Milken is.
1: Oh. It's yeah, but it um, he's Steve Jeppy's friend, oh, good Jesus. friend, right? Uh, also, uh, also referenced as an influence was Ethan Van Skyver. So you know, oh that's, yeah, you, yeah. So I
0: wanted, yeah, you mentioned that. How so, and what?
1: The so fuck? it's it's at the end, and I honestly can't remember. And I'm not going to fucking watch this live stream again.
0: Oh, okay, but let me tell you why you should. Because there is a, a genre gram of lucrative youtube videos known as reaction videos in which someone watches like a movie trailer i'm I'm aware of this yes i'm still going to explain it to you graham because i kind of like being patronizing you who writes about the internet also i here's
1: the thing that might be your aim but there's honestly people listening to this who might not
0: know what you're talking about yes exactly it seems unlikely but sure anyway as you, it is that weird thing of like, I, I wonder if all my like, years us. of comic book reading <laughs> has prepped me to exchange exposition with you, Graham, for an audience uh, and pretend like it's perfectly naturalistic dialogue. God help us both. Anyway, so there's this thing: reaction videos, fa- fan reactions, where the camera's set on them, and and basically the two that I've seen made my soul cringe. But I, what I would give for a reaction video of you watching that live stream in real time and just being like, "Oh no, oh oh no!"
1: Nothing would be as pure as the first time.
0: I know. I when I was
1: just like, "Fuck (laughs) sick, Jesus,
0: (laughs) fucking hell!" See, yeah, shut the fuck up. Which was pretty much all I did for like two hours. (laughs) Anyway, so yes. So, although we'll never be able to get those golden moments back, and you're not really going to be able to recreate them, if there is someone who would be interested in playing Graham in a dramatic reenactment for a YouTube fan reaction video, please reach out to me. There might be money involved, is all I'm saying.
1: Oh lord, There's uh, the ultimate Patreon extra.
0: Someone yes. pretending to be me for a video... <laughs> Even better if you are willing to basically be you know this is where this is where I'm going next Graham this this I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know how some porn companies I don't think they do them anymore, and I'm not even really sure if porn companies is quote unquote a thing, but you know how porn companies used to do unauthorized parodies of like sure superheroes? This ain't whatever yeah, this ain't the Avengers. Yeah. The, yeah, this this ain't Batgirl, the Barbara Gordon years. Um, I'm saying it's time to do this. Ain't wait what? So if <laughs> oh the Lord. person is interested oh in being the porno Graham McMillan, to also do fan reaction videos and then maybe sexier fan reaction videos, please <laughs> reach out and get in touch. Because I think I think after a, a genre of uh, comic book porn parodies i think the comic book podcast porn parody is the next step to greatness anyway how did I, ethan van Skyver come up on all this i'm sorry to
1: the entire world for jeff putting that idea out there I'm just <laughs>
0: just <laughs>
1: going to say that. Um, my secret came up about it because at the end, um, someone asked and, – and this is going to get murky because honestly, like, my brain was melting by this point. Oh, I'm sure. Um, someone asked something along the lines of, like, hey, DC and Marvel are rumored to be doing a crossover. Um, do you think that's enough of an event to get people to start buying comics again? Right. And – Jeppy, unable to really address any questions, had pivoted and talked about how there should be, like, never mind free comic book day, there should be some sort of, like, comic book reopening day type mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. event. And then he talked about how various things that publishers can do to turn their, their books into events. Mm-hmm. And And I don't remember exactly what it was but he there's something that ethan van skyver apparently had suggested and again this wasn't explicitly referenced comic gate wasn't explicitly referencing crowdfunding comics
2: mm.
1: but it was some sort of like you know maybe you you do like put them out quarterly or something like that it was something it was an idea that was incredibly benign mm-hmm. um and, and it was like like kind of you know, unoriginal. Right. But he was like, as my good friend Ethan Van has said, blah 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 blah. Like my good friend Ethan Van Skyver said.
0: Wow. And it's like,
1: of oh, course. Yeah. Right. Of course. Right. That that only makes sense. Wow. Because you saw, or maybe you didn't. I did. Um, the day before, like the day of this live stream. The live stream itself took place at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The day of the live stream, someone found Steve Jeffy's Twitter account. Mm-hmm. did you see this no um and steve jeffy's twitter account is literally just like r- uh retweeting cam girls <laughs> and, <pro-Trump laughs> memes. and that's it Wait, that's a holiday what, what is this it? is not a joke cam girls and what trump means pro trump memes oh holy it. shit uh and first of all like because i this this happened, this literally happened like before i i got up and so like i i log on twitter and people are just making all these weird references and i'm like what have i missed how did i miss that I, I, and someone like got, yeah i came into my dms and they're like oh it's it's this and it was steve Jeffy's twitter account like actually steve Jeffy's twitter account holy uh, mother and i God. was like oh Oh wow! Yeah, um, but yeah. So, so um, in case the multiple Fox News references were not enough to give you a clue, or for that matter, the my workers are better off now that they are on unemployment and getting a stimulus check. Um, right. Steve Jeppy is firmly in Donald Trump's uh, camp, mm. Mm. which of course mm. makes sense that he would then like yeah be perfectly be with with the um, shall we say not necessarily forward thinking Ethan Manskyer.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy fucking Christ. So there you go.
1: So that was that was um that was Diamond News. Mm. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'd really mm-hmm. to be, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um yesterday Marvel announced that they are returning to publication. Hmm. And they're doing it starting May twenty seventh, so a week after um Diamond resumes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think they're probably waiting a week to see if Diamond fucks up. <laughs> but we'll see.
0: Or and, uh, mm-hmm. I would also say, in theory, uh, as you pointed out, Diamond's planning on shipping all of that DC product that had yeah, been yeah, available. So, yeah. yes. you know,
1: um, but Marvel's rescheduled plan
0: mm-hmm.
1: is nuts, Jeff. Oh yeah, five single issues the first week. Mm-hmm. The following week, it's uh, I think it's seven trades and no single issues. Oh, fucking Christ, Mark. Then, after that, they're doing six single issues. Then they're doing, let's see, then they're doing eight trades. And it's only on the fifth week that they're going to a combination of single issue and trades. And even then, it's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight single issues. Wow. Um. So they are, like, really, really dramatically mm-hmm. uh, reworking their schedule yeah like yeah. astonishingly so wow. um and what's really strange is, so obviously books were scheduled for April the first, right, um and they never happened because April first was the first week of shutdown mm-hmm. You would think that like of the first month of of Marvel titles, if they're only releasing like anywhere between five to eight single issues a week, mm-hmm. you think they'd basically split up the April first schedule, right mm-hmm. No Wow. There are books on there that weren't scheduled for April 1st, were scheduled for later. Uh-huh. And some of the April 1st books, including two new series, are just missing. And Marvel has released its shipping schedule through the middle of July. Wow. And books are missing. Wow. Hmm. So Marvel has dramatically mm-hmm. rearranged its schedule. Mm-hmm. Like really, really dramatically. Um, but if you consider that Marvel is putting out, I think this, I think uh, March was something like 108 single issues. Well, see,
0: that's it. Yeah, to go from that to I don't know 24 or something for a month seems amazing to me.
1: Yeah, it, and that's you know that's that's not even the case because I'm looking at let's see, because July 1st again, there's no single issues. Mm. Okay, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, it's between, like, the most single issues they have are in June 24th, and that's eight issues. Wow. So, like, we're talking, we really are talking about, you know, arguably 25 or less mm-hmm. uh, single issues Marvel. Like, they've quartered their, their output. Wow. That would just... Just mean... insane. Yeah. Like, but... genuinely insane probably
0: not the worst idea oh no but also kind of shocking yeah i mean a hugely shocking b incredibly frustrating because i have no faith that marvel will in any way address it in an an open upfront, upfront manner that allows retailers in the marketplace to kind of truly know what to expect from them and And yeah, see, it's, it, it would actually be great news if not for. Circumstances. Yeah. The circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, if Marvel had halved or, you know, the lopped a third off of their production, you know, or even really two thirds off of their production, you know, um, during the pre-COVID times it would have allowed retailers a lot more breathing room. But now now it's just, it sort of seems like, like who's on life support? Is, is it Marvel? It, is it the and marketplace? And also, yeah. You know. And also like its choice of what it's releasing mm-hmm. is
1: kind of wacky. You know, with the best will in the world, mm-hmm. like if you were salvaging a quarter of Marvel's line. Would you really go for Twenty Twenty Rescue or Marvel Snapshots? You know, oh, is
0: that's that bad? Really
1: go. Would you really go for Marvel's X? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. It's it's weird, and also like some of the books they're releasing are weird.
0: Yeah. Well, that's well. I, the I don't know. Like, the art
1: of Frank Cho. is <laughs> one. right oh my god oh my god really like like that's not like the 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 quote-unquote preludes to the black widow movie which is now not coming out until i think november Mm -hmm. is out in july Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they're reissuing the silver surfer omnibus Mm. which is just uh, (laughs) like it's just it's it's weird Uh, on the the first week of book releases It's an omnibus collection of uh, Whedon and Cassidy's Astonishing Mm X-Men, Ghost Rider Volume 1, I honestly don't know what that is Mephisto Classic, whatever that is John Byrne She-Hulk omnibus A reissue of Spider-Man Venom book Mm. A Darth Vader poster book And the first trades of Hickman's X-Men and The Amazing Mary Jane That's a really weird
0: selection it is. A, it is. It's a weird selection. Yeah. You know? Like... What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: um, yeah it's, it's really odd. Um, the second wave of book collections includes Iron Man Epic Collection Volume 17 and Marvel Masterworks The Avengers Volume 20, mm. Mm. which both amazing fantasy omnibus hardcover new printing. Wow! Wow! I, Jesus! It's just it, Morbius: The Living Vampire Omnibus Hardcover is, however, out on June twenty fourth, and I know you'll be
0: rushing to search Oh, for that. thank God! Thank,
1: thank yeah. you, baby. What if Classics: The Complete Collections out July first?
0: Yeah, we, we, is that? But that's also isn't that? Is that like Volume four or Volume five? It's or, it's or, four. Yeah, yeah, it's Volume four. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all. I mean. Genuinely, just strange. Yeah, I yeah. I don't quite know. Like, unless this is backstock or this is stuff they just have to have. Like, why these books? Well, why are
0: these books no, the ones to lead with? I think I think that you're. Of course, you're absolutely right. I think there's stuff that they had ordered, you know, to get printed and shipped, and maybe there was some delay or not, but you know. As as you point out, the Morbius and the Black Widow stuff was designed to hit deadlines that, you know, for the movies that have since moved. Yeah. Um, and then there's other stuff, like the Mephisto thing is weird, but I'm assuming that it's... It probably ties in with Avengers, we'll right? Well, see, that's it, exactly. I was going to say the Avengers tie-in. There's one or two of those, maybe, that might be sort of semi-Empire tie-ins, you know? Oh, Um,
1: Empire! By the way, was uh, supposed to on April first was supposed to have both the Avengers issue zero and Fantastic Four issue zero. mm -hmm. And guess when they're out now? (laughs) When? Uh, July. They were were both supposed to be out the same day, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Avengers is out on June twenty fourth, and Fantastic Four is out on July eighth. Good Christ! Yeah, they pushed uh, they pushed Empire way out to the point where I suspect. The death metal is DC is going to start earlier. Wow, wow, which is kind of wacky, and also makes me a little worried that two massive events are going to be happening at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Oh, God dang. Wow, Graham, that is uh, that's that's some pretty brutal shit.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, uh, uh, any other stuff or uh, in any other news bits or bobs like part of me is like i'm a, i'm like a little worried that i that we're going to be like that's insane and i will think of nothing to say but that's that is insane and then you know lather rinse I, I i mean
1: i i I kind of think that's it for news isn't it did, I, did
0: other things happen that, that i don't remember uh no no i i mean that's the thing is is i remember seeing your thing about the live stream and i was like ooh, i really want to peg you on that because because the few tweets i saw from you were so uh salty that i was like oh god please let there be a mega thread and it was pretty much just like two or three tweets it, well
1: yeah it's yeah. it's um uh, other people were tweeting
0: yeah. and
1: there's only so much I can really be salty, to be perfectly honest.
0: Well, I know, <laughs> like, but... I have to be relatively professional. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but considering... And that's the other thing that's great about you, Graham. is is like the one where I was like, oh, this is choice. I'm going to like this. It had already had something insane like 460 likes and 200 retweets. I was like, more people have seen Graham's tweet about this live stream then saw the diamond live stream. I am a hundred and ten percent sure about this. So anyway, I, which is I great. But, yeah. I hope that isn't true. I hope people went straight to the source. I I surely did not. But I you know, I kinda had a little bit of a <laughs> had a little bit of a crazy week, so in some ways. So uh uh okay. Well, if you think of other things, or if I think of other things, we will definitely um, bring them up. Uh, I, so, a few things that I wanted to mention about stuff that we had discussed last week. Um, one of the things, I guess probably the most important, potentially, for listeners to the podcast is that I was bemoaning the fact that... Uh, or wait, maybe that was just midweek of this week. The DCs um, used to be super awesome about all of their trades essentially coming to Hoopla on release day. And that had has not been happening. Like two weeks ago, I think it was slow, late, or minimized. And this week which was an amazing week for DC trades. Like I went to Comicsology, and it was DC's first issue special, a tales of the Batman, Steve Englehart collection to like one or two others. Oh, I think it was like, there was a, a world's finest, a world's well. finest collection that looked like, you know, classic seventies sort of 60 and seventies action. So I was like, Oh, this is going to be great to get onto hoopla. And then Nothing. Tuesday, Wednesday. I think I tweeted about it. Anyway, f- my worry was that I had mentioned last week that Hoopla was not updating or had screwed things up. Um, the first issue special did hit Hoopla uh, on Friday. So for people who don't have DC Universe or did do, did not want to sl- you know wait two weeks to to read the final two issues in that 13 issues of awesomeness um that would you know it your chances now relatedly i checked that out and um kind of sped through it reading some of the stuff that i had not read um and graham you had mentioned this uh in passing i had somehow missed or overlooked the fact that the doc i didn't read the dr fate one even though it had been on dc universe for a bit as you pointed out it's walt simonson and it's fucking fantastic (laughs) oh my god i read it today and simonson is just insane like the first half of it i was like i can kind of see why grant's into this and yeah it's it's good and then it just goes on. And and what's great is, is that Simonson does something that I think is very clever. It's a one-shot issue written by Martin Pascal. Simonson does the illustration. And it's basically Dr. Fate versus uh, an evil mummy, essentially, who knew Naboo, the um, original consciousness-controlling... Uh, the helmet of dr fate so it's kind of a rematch and because they had met and crossed paths back in europe uh egypt there's a bunch of just egyptian uh imagery that simonson goes to town on that is he's fucking great at because simonson's so good with design stuff and of course i really think that you know, thanks to the miracle of hieroglyphics and everything, A, um, slobs like me are really familiar with Egyptian iconography and B, it's really well designed. So by the end of the comic where you're getting guest appearances by the god Anubis and uh, Amon-Ra, it's fucking gorgeous. But I, I sort of realized, like, Simonson is doing... In a way, his own take on Doctor Strange, in that one of the things that really made Doctor Strange stand out from like, you know, Sargon the Sorcerer or, you know, Mandrake the Magician or any number of other crazy um, magician type characters that have been around in comics for decades by that point, is Ditko gave Doctor Strange's magic such an intense design sense. You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and yeah, you know what his magic looks like. Exactly. His magic has a look and then other spellcasters, it's the same but it's different and the changes and so watching Simonson, who's always design heavy, use do something similar to make the the magic stuff be so designed like he's got this great thing where um, Dr. Fate who's aligned with the Ankh you know is casting spells and there's Ankh circling his his glowing fist which is great and then at a certain point um, you know he more or less gets attacked by an Egyptian spell, which are literally just design elements that bind together and take over the page and it's just I was just like Oh, my sweet baby Jesus. That was an amazing, amazing issue. Like, don't get me wrong. There's the first issue special stuff that I, like, love because it's full of potential. And then there's the stuff that I love because it's insane. But there's not a lot in the first issue special that I really love because it's great you know what i mean like with the,
1: he's, of the kirby stuff
0: well like Ma- the manhunter
1: issue i think is fucking amazing
0: see i think i think the manhunter issue is amazing but i also think that it's more of a filled with potential you know what i mean like it's, oh, I,
1: see, I see what you're saying you're like as a complete uh, as opposed to a quote-unquote first issue as a, you're talking about as a complete issue
0: yeah as a complete issue face-
1: yeah. How many of these really came back in any form?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, part of it is most of them didn't come back. A lot of them end up ending on cliffhangers, um, mm-hmm. you know. And are you playing Lady Cop? Well, no, no. See, and I was going to get to Lady Cop because we got interrupted. Because Lady Cop is fucking amazing, but it also is a complete piece of insanity unto it on its own. You know what I mean? Like it's absolutely one of my favorites in that regard. You know, it's also not quite. I mean, it's kind of a trash fire, but that's part of its appeal. I could even code name Assassin, which I love, is one part potential, one part kind of open trash fire. And then there's stuff like, I don't know, like that Starman issue where I'm just like, wow, that Jerry Conway he he had a vibe that he kept trying to hit that's at dc work i will certainly give him that you know um which which
1: about. which reminds me very quickly yeah um you saw that the jerry conway new gods is on hoopla uh
0: i did and will grab it and of course that's issue 12 of the first issue special is yes yes yeah. Um, the weird thing, what's great about the tr- – there's two weird things, Graham, that you might appreciate because today is the closest I came to becoming gr- Graham levels of f- Obsessive Fanboy. Like I'm my own okay, f- Obsessive I'm Fanboy. I'm curious now. What does that mean? Okay. I'll tell you what it means, Graham. So I'm looking through – the first issue special that I downloaded on Hoopla. And rather than just jumping right to the issues that I hadn't read, I, of course, and this is obsessive gram point number one, sort of quickly flipped through it, so I'm kind of speed reading, not with the, uh, not neither as fast nor with as much clarity as you do, but speed reading through all the stuff that I had read before, previously. Green Team, Manhunter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm going through the Metamorpho issue, and this is where I turn into a Grand McMillan fanboy level. I'm like this coloring looks different from what i remember oh lord you really did become on me. the dc universe dude i did i went to dc universe i opened up the metamorpho issue i flipped back and forth between the two and i took a, a screenshot and it's the most insane thing they're colored completely differently i will i'll send you some shots and i'll put them on the um on on the show notes
1: i, I... I'm very excited about this. I cannot I cannot deny it. Um, my most recent example of this was I was on Shelf Dust talking about JLA issue one. Mm-hmm. And I realized while reading it in DC Universe that they fucking re-lettered only one character.
2: <laughs>
1: what? Why? Yeah. Because he talks in yellow text against a red background, which in the computer coloring of uh, 1997 when it first came out mm-hmm. was pixelated to shit, mm. uh, and so they've relettered his his uh, lettering. Mm. They've relettered caption boxes and they've relettered his dialogue, and they haven't relettered anyone else. Wow! And yes, I did pull out my collection, my print collection of the first <laughs> volume. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a net like, side by side with my iPad
0: to check. See, this is as close as I will ever get is looking at the two issues of Metamorpho and flipping back and forth and being like, holy shit. Yeah, no, they're totally different. It's a horrible place to be and I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I was like, what am I doing to myself? uh so yeah that first issue special collection and then i got to read the new gods thing i got to read um oh actually isn't the new gods the last issue what's the next to last
1: I think the new gods is the last issue
0: right and it, maybe it's starman is is the penalty uh, i issue?
1: think i think is is dr fate not the penultimate.
0: no no it's it's earlier here hold on let me grab the the thing here because I have not turned on my iPad all uh uh let's see here. Blah 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 blah. First issue specials. Um Atlas, the Green Team, Metamorpho, Lady Cop, Manhunter, Dingbats of Danger Street, The Creeper, that was a read. Uh Warlord, <laughs> Doctor Fate. What, I, see, I do too, but that one's a weird one. Because, of course, Michael Fleischer is writing it, which isn't necessarily the worst thing. I know that he and Ditko had done stuff. Similarly, he did some dialogue for things like Sandman under Kirby or whatever. But it's it's a little too straight for what Ditko's doing. You know what I mean? Like, Ditko's yeah, yeah. Creeper stuff is is wacky. and. These- DC put a, a hardcover of, of Ditko's Creeper. Yes. a few, year, quite a few years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um
1: and it's great. It is because it includes like all of the you know because Ditko does a series and then it comes back like in First Issue special and then it comes back like somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But Ditko's involved in all of them. Yes, and you see like the, the way that the series essentially
0: like reboots
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like over and over again. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah, I love that. I l- genuinely love that shit.
0: Yeah, me too. So the Warlord uh issue eight dr fate is issue nine uh outsiders issue 10 code name assassin issue 11 starman, so Star-Man is Man's issue 12, issue 12. Uh, yeah then. return of the new gods is issue 13 so yeah yeah
1: uh, and i think actually i think i think it actually goes away to be replaced and scheduled by the new god revival uh that would make sense no um, shit no it doesn't no It goes away and is replaced by Secret Society of Supervillains.
0: Oh, that's right. Actually, they're both mentioned as coming back because on the final page, Jerry Conway ends up contributing so many issues to First Issue Special because he was ultimately the series editor. Uh, And so he ends up doing an introduction to the collection. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's yeah. That feels like almost worth checking out for itself. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very fast. And what's great is then when you see it, you see stuff where in the New Gods and in a few other things, knowing that he's writing the editor text pieces and really, um, uh, surprisingly, for whatever reason, pushing the work of the young, talented Jerry Conway, who's always referred to as young and talented, when being written by the editor notes... Makes you think. Anyway, there's a certain uh, shamelessness uh, that is apparently um, very important to being able to create comics, which you and I will talk about soon when we discuss Absolute Carnage. Uh, But... First, oh I God, wanted are we
1: to... going to discuss Absolute Carnage? Oh yeah, oh,
0: God. remember Graham when you called me midweek and we're like, Jeff, you need to read Absolute Carnage because I just read it for the Tumblr and it was so painful I, I, You have to. I'm going to say so this right now. I read a Marvel Unlimited, so I've not read the last two parts. Oh really? I thought you yeah. got it on Hoopla because they dropped no, the trade no. on Hoopla, which was I know I, a... I know they did, mm. and
1: I still didn't pick it up because I read the first four parts of <laughs> Marvel Unlimited.
0: Nuts. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll revisit that and um and yes. Uh uh things. But before we get there, I want to also mention because this came up last week, I had talked about uh Watakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku, which I dearly loved yes yes, yeah three volumes of manga and one of the things the thing that i stressed was it was a super stress relieving rom-com manga in part because there's almost no dramatic tension you know first chapter is she's a she's a otaku um who keeps hiding it cause she wants a boyfriend and have a regular life. But as soon as they find out that they're, she's an otaku, they drop her, her friend who she has known since, um, you know, high school or pre junior high is a big gaming video game otaku. And he basically is like, well, why don't we go out? Because, you know, um, that way you won't have to hide it. And she's like, but, you know, we're friends. Why Why should we? And he was kind of basically like, uh, you know, because I'm in love with you, basically. so, So it's a very, very quick to get to it. And then, of course, the supervisors at their work job who you think they would be doing everything in a traditional manga would be the ones that they have to hide their, both their, you know burgeoning relationship and their uh, otaku um, lifestyle from both end up being their best friends and other otaku so i mean the part of the humor from the first two parts is kind of how quickly the drama collapses and then it just becomes characters hanging out but so here's the thing i said that that as if that was the only charm slash appeal to the series uh, and it is certainly the main charm, but the thing that I wanted to mention that I think is in kind of a little poignant and sad is I figured out the other allure of the series thanks to The Miracle of Twitter, which is I went online and term-searched uh, Wadakoi, and there were a bunch of people geeking out over the show um, because, of course, it's been made into an anime. So... So as is, I sort of love the fact that kind of in the same way that people read the manga and then, you know, just the same way people read comics, but everyone's talking about the the anime slash cinematic universe. It's weirdly parallel. That being said, there was this woman who was like, a, oh my God, you guys, why didn't anyone tell me this is the best anime ever and one of the things she said which is absolutely true is that the gamer boyfriend is like the best sort of boyfriend in the world because he is she's like it is so great to see a representation of non-toxic masculinity which is totally true his his girlfriend is into uh, I I think the term she's a fujoshi fuz, fujoshi it's, I'm not I don't even know why I'm not just looking it up but essentially it's the term for a female fan of uh, boys love comics BL comics so okay. one of the things that's fun is she's always kind of talking with her her buddy her, who's also her work supervisor they're always shipping all the characters in a room and it's always very much like who's the top, who's the bottom. And what's great is because they both have boyfriends they're they both argue about which, which one would be the top if they were, if they were shipping them in a boys love manga. Anyway, at one point they're all together. They're probably out at a bar or something. And uh, the female otaku is showing photos of when she and her boyfriend were basically doing cosplay. And she's like, look, he actually let me dress him up as a woman. And, you know, the the male supervisor otaku dude, who's sort of the mildest of the otaku and just generally likes manga, I think, is like, oh, ah, how could you do that? That's so weird. And so... So the person on the, on the Twitter feed was like, oh, my God, this is so great. What a fantastic example of, you know, non-toxic masculinity this is. And on the one hand, she's right. But I was also like, oh, fuck, is that part of the secret appeal of this series in particular is that the video gamer is in no way a toxic masculine personality? like he's a video gamer his whole thing is he never leaves the house he always has like a, he, he's either playing a console he's just the best he he almost ne- you know he almost doesn't know anyone but it's very much in kind of a uh, lovable Mr. Spock variation of but I'm doing what I love. Why would I leave the house? Why would I do things I'm already doing things? Why would I meet people I'm already interacting with people on an RPG? And so he's kind of um, what is this thing you call love kind of guy, even though in his weird emotionally reserved way, he has deep feelings for the female otaku that he's in a relationship with i apologize everyone and especially to you graham for not giving anyone names if i had the ipad open i could i i could try saying them but it they're somehow all relatively feels a little
1: unique. bit more special because it? it's weirdly uh
0: it's like I listening to a kid telling a story no a little...
1: no although it you know now that you've said that <laughs> um, no, but it, there's, there's something, like, about the – you're like, the appeal is great cause it's really a story about, you know, how how nice these characters are. And yet at the same time, you're utterly depersonalizing them. I, like, you know, I know. Boy 1 and Boy 2.
0: Yes, exactly. Are, boy 1 just... and Boy 2 and Woman 1 and Woman 2 because literally all of their names were uh, – the creator even mentioned the fact that he gave them relatively unique names. But – it would be one thing. I mean, as everyone knows, I mangle pronunciation badly anyway. And, um, you know, all of my pronunciation of Japanese terms is particularly lamentable. This was a whole nother level of humiliation that I could not bring myself to even attempt or sadly to do the research 20 minutes before we got on air so that I would know how to say them. So, cause I suck. Anywho, uh, so, this is the thing that's really funny slash sad is I'm like, "Oh shit, yes, this is like nobody thinks of male video gamers as non toxic people anymore. You know what I mean like it's just you're you're assuming it's gonna be some trash talker with you know creep creepily." Implicit or explicit anti-Semitic theories, you know, while either yelling over their, over Xbox Live about, you know, all the terrible things you are because you are a bad player and also of an inferior race. And I'm like, I thought that part of the appeal is, oh, these are all friends hanging out, having cute adventures. And it's totally true. But in a weird way... Like, I'm trying to think, like, it's like the TV show Friends, I guess, except if Ross had been, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, what's a type that we didn't trust back then? And it's hard because the answer keeps coming back to Ross from Friends. But you know what I mean? like. If it wasn't before he created the term that you learned not to trust, like there was another thing, you know what I mean? Like kind of that thing of, of the way that nerdy, um, I I guess what I'm thinking is a little bit like the, the uh, creators of, of Penny Arcade, the comic strip, the artist, um, it's been so long since I've jumped over there. uh, Don't even remember their, their, I, I remember Tycho Gabe. Gabe's whole thing was like, I can't be a bully because I was bullied in high school or bullied throughout school. And of course, he is a notorious bad faith arguer bully on the Internet, but was super insistent that he essentially couldn't be. And so the I feel like over the last 10 to 20 years, we've gotten a lot more um, wisely informed about the toxic masculinity of of mm-hmm. um, fanboys and it is interesting the idea that what this book is more than anything is a fantasy about like just being able to pretend that that's not true <laughs> yeah
1: well yeah well, what if the, what if there what what if it wasn't
0: yeah what if it wasn't yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and so Kind of a lovely thing. Maybe took too long to say it. There's an enormous bug flying around in my room, but I'm not going (laughs) to freak out about it anytime (laughs) soon. Um, So uh, so where are we at in terms of the speaking thing? Oh, we got a few minutes Um, to say nothing of this only being part one. Graham, so why did you make me read Absolute Carnage? More like Absolute Garbage. Am I right? Uh, I you know here's
1: why why did i make you read it yeah because you probably saw me on tumblr describe it as a mark miller comic yeah i pro- you probably got like really weirdly into it because of that you not know... because you love mark miller comics i i hasten to add right but because i think there's probably something about that that you were like is it really a mark miller comic <laughs> i've, I've got to say this for myself
0: <laughs> you know it's it's funny because i think that you might be right about that. Um, there, I think, you know, what it was, was that you were, I knew that it was a Donnie Cates comic. I knew that you were reading it. And I think I had said you and I had, but weirdly enough, when you read Donnie Cates comics and complain about them, I usually follow suit. Um, I've, read, um, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. So, so there's a... Oh, God. Is that thing trying to get out the window and can't get to it because I closed it? Here, hold on.
1: Open the window. Open I'm the try, window. I'm trying to... Let it out. Oh, it did. No. It, no. Let it, it, let it, then
0: it flew back in. No. Go out. Out. Out, you It idiot. was going to
1: the window to tell his friends to come in. <sighs>
0: Fucking hell. It was totally like, no, fuck that. It's cold and dark out there. I'm like, you moron. All right. Um, Donny Cates. I'm always trying to understand the appeal of him. Plus, I think there's a certain something that he might have like i read his thanos issues i've kind of i read his cosmic ghostwriter stuff i didn't read all his thanos issues i think just the thanos wins arc um and so absolutely a lot of people as you know into his shit absolute carnage was apparently a really successful event for marvel i'm saying that like you know they're treating it like it was one so i'm but that doesn't necessarily mean anything but also looking through the trade Holy fucking shit, they did 9 million variant covers of every issue. Like, they've got a gallery at the back of the covers. And it's not even a one-cover-to-one-page gallery. It's like a four-covers-to-one-page gallery. And it goes on for a while. Uh... So, Absolute Carnage, it, I thought was really interesting to read because, A, I kind of almost a little bit get it. That sort of, <laughs> sort of, there's a little, there was a, <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? No, because you were like, it's
1: interesting to read. And I was like, oh, Jeff liked it. Uh, no. Like Jeff,
0: no? Well, so this is the thing. How? I, I it it's a it's a sliding spectrum. What was surprising to me were there were parts about absolute carnage that I did like that I can see where you wouldn't necessarily like that which is there is part of Donnie Cates in Absolute Carnage that reads one hundred percent like somebody who back when they were thirteen was really into splatterpunk fiction. You know what I mean? Like oh, there's, yeah, yes, 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 yes. So there's a lot of stuff that was where I was reading it, where it was kind of weird reading. Like like part of me is like, there's not a bad idea to taking Venom and doing a sort of semi splatter punk body horror take on it. You know? And so, what was weird was some of the stuff that we were like, oh my God, this is like Mark Miller trying to do a Venom comic. Absolutely right. But there was also a way in which I saw a kind of weird splatter punk, which is also. Splatterpunk, to me, most of this, which I'm not widely read, but the majority of the stuff that I read really adds so much of horror from that era did, was so heavily Stephen King influenced. And so the part that I thought was interesting slash good about it was kind of, oh, here's a take on Venom that, A, sort of makes sense. B, since I've read almost nothing about Venom apart from, you know, Adam Warren's Venom the End comic, I was like, huh, so this is really, quote unquote, a thing, you know, like this this whole Venom's mythos backstory is so with the planet of the symbiotes and the mm-hmm. codex and the thing. Like I have no idea if that is Kate's stuff or that was established in 9 million other Venom comics. Um, But the fact that it was part of Venom the end, I was like, huh, that's really weird. And of course, Warren goes and extrapolates it in lots of places. And then having it be the MacGuffin for, um, Uh, for is it ultimate absolute carnage it's absolute ultimate I don't remember it's absolute fuck I gotta look at it of course Hoopla was like I just opened Hoopla and it's like I have no idea who you are why are you why are you coming to me I, I sh- I'm not going to help you with this. Yeah, no, it totally <laughs> is. It's like, you can't... I'm not showing you shit. I'll show you what you checked out two months ago, but there's no way. Absolute Carnage. So the thing that's weird about Absolute Carnage is the longer I read it, the more I was like, I think that Donnie... It must precede Donnie Cates because he sure writes like he's not understanding the t- the concept. And that's the thing that I found... Kind of interesting and hilarious about Donnie Cates, apart from the fact that I think he's got like really bad taste in music and does a weird, like, oh, and I'm going to give a oh, did you catch my little shout out to, you know, Paint It Black? Like, I'm like, what? You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's something weird about Donnie Cates' stuff, which I'm like, oh, maybe this is why he is quote unquote popular. Which is to say he is – he is a cool kid um, if you are apparently a boomer. Like I don't know. Like there's yeah, such a say, weird
1: – Donny Cates reads like Mark Miller trying to write 10 years younger.
0: Right, right. And so consequently there's a weird – um right. But because he's so steeped in these influences that I think of as weirdly classic boomer, I'm like, like he's trying to write 10 years younger, but at someone in his 20s who just read a lot of Stephen King and so thinks the coolest thing to do is drop a reference to like Peanut Black or like slip clever song lyrics into your thing. Not even like in a Grant Morrison way, although I'm sure he would claimed that's what he was doing, but just in like weird clumsy ways they just but the, everything about gates is clumsy that's the thing is, that's
1: so fascinating clumsy. about him yeah he, yeah he's a shockingly clumsy writer he's a shockingly bad writer yeah yeah and like it's all everything is astonishingly unsubtle
0: yes and well, which i like you know i do no, like, like my lack of subtlety
1: I, yes yeah. of course you do but i mean in the sense of no, I mean in because there's like fun lack of subtlety, sure, right? sure, right. And there's just bad lack of subtlety, right. And I think Kate's the latter.
0: See, whereas I find some right. of his stuff a little more the former, but I also see your point. I mean, but, um, yeah,
1: he, he's just he can't. I mean, he, he's. I was going to say he's a hack, but that's that feels unfair. A to hacks and B, <laughs> but also to Tony Gates. Do you know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. think he is actually doing the best he can. Right. No, it's just the exactly. best he can is the best of someone who was raised on Mark Miller comics
0: no, and right. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, and Wizard mm-hmm. magazine and that stuff and yeah. genuinely thinks that that stuff is what a superhero comics should be. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's just. I mean, Absolute Carnage is a fucking mess. I like, there's bits of it that I enjoy for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, all of the, uh, Eddie Brock has a son, but he doesn't know he's his son. Mm -hmm. And, like, how can we echo that? Like, stuff is, is hilarious bullshit. The relationship between Venom and Eddie Brock is just hilarious for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Carnage's dialogue almost entirely. Oh yeah, is, is just
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know like just as Mark Miller reads like you know bad Grant Morrison in nineteen ninety four. Right. Donny Cates reads like bad Mark Miller.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. I literally like Morrison in nineteen ninety four when he was off his game. Read like bad Alan Moore. You know. Right. And you just you could trace all this back where you know you don't want to show. That a villain's bad so you just have other people say their name a lot like oh god I can't believe it's Jeff Lester it's Jeff Lester Jeff Lester's coming oh god it's Jeff Lester Jeff Lester's here and that like that stands in for any any real attempt of of yeah. foreshadowing or any right. real attempt for, of, of like setting the stakes right. if people look scared and say a character's name enough right you know or you have Ven- uh, you have carnage show up and he's like ah, i want you to know i'm carnage i am a god and all of that stuff is just shockingly clumsy banal like utterly empty Whoa. and yet yeah this stuff Fucking massive! Right. Like, like this is was a hit. This is what the kids want.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, because I, because again, the, there's a few different things about it. One thing is that uh, one thing that I I think that that Kate's does in this event that is very much a Mark Miller thing is, even though we talk about the Mark Miller influence um Kate's like Miller Kate is very aware of the cinematic influences you know what I mean like there some of his scenes like his big like oh god he's here like there's a whole sequence that is actually done very poorly I thought <laughs> where <laughs> Eddie Brock and Spider-Man are in a prison and uh, Carnage is coming for them and they're trying to break in to save Norman Osborn or get him away before Carnage can kill him, take his codex and come one step closer to achieving, you know, communion with Null, the 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 ultimate uh, symbiote badass. And... Um, Like the sirens start going off and uh, because of the sonics, like um, Eddie Brock slash Venom's incapacitated, but Spider-Man's busy doing something else. So Eddie has to take it into his hands and blow away the sirens. And the siren thing is just done so poorly. I, you know, because it's doing a blah, blah, blah with the, with as you get a page of, carnage walking down the prison cell and infecting the various prisoners who are locked mm. up and then breaking out behind him. And I'm like, it's very, it's, 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 it was, it was like, Oh, these are, these are cinematic beats. And there's a few other stages where, and this is one of the things that I do think again, like you said, Kate's is, is, it's it's hard to say he's a hack he's the, because he is so hacky but it seems to be coming from a sincere place yeah he's 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 too enthusiastic to genuinely be a hack right like he means this yeah exactly well and exactly and so some of the parts that i like is um i always feel that that mark miller for the most part has is Always has his eye on the prize and never lets his – he never tries to overwrite his way out of a situation. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of – he he does shit exposition. He does shit. But he'll generally let the artist carry the load. He's never – There's never going to be a caption from Mark Miller that's kind of like the sun goes off like a cascade of jewels on the edges of my horizon, you know, or whatever. Um, And Donny Cates has some stuff where it's practically emo poetry, which is to say, sorry, emos, it's not good, but it seems to make up for that by how really heartfelt it is. And so part of me was like, oh, yeah, Cates kind of has... He's not good, but he's got a certain degree of swagger. The thing that's funny is I sort of feel unconsciously like I keep wanting to compare him to Jerry Conway now. I'm like he's kind of the twenty first century Jerry Conway in that in that what he he has a very clear idea of what he's doing it's just what he's doing is not what most people recognize as good comics. You know yeah, what I mean yeah,
1: yeah. so uh, here's the thing about absolute. Carnage, which I always want to call Absolute Venom, and I know I shouldn't. Right. Um, <laughs> there is something about it that I um, I can see why it's popular. And the reason I keep going to the Mark Miller place, besides the fact that the dialogue for me actually is very Mark Miller, mm. um, is that there's a... Uh, um. Pandering to, like, the the lowest common denominator, that's not right. Mark Miller in his Marvel Prime, Mm -hmm. and I think Donnie Cates does the same thing as well, Mm -hmm. doesn't just, like, fail to leave the obvious alone. Mm -hmm. Like, the two of them, like, run enthusiastically towards the obvious. Right, right. And with absolutely no... They don't bring anything to it. There's no nuance. There's no subtlety. There's no new ideas even.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Absolute Carnage is... What if Carnage was so bad that he could make other people Carnages as well? And he was going after everyone who ever had a uh, symbiote, which make, means them, they have... To, like, you know, um, Venom Hulk. Mid-way. Mm-hmm. They're all just like obvious ideas and then they're handled obviously no but but see i mean i do think and that, I, I think there's there's i think there's an appeal to that yes I, exactly it's it not what i want to read but I, like you can't deny that this stuff has an audience
0: right no? no 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 and and i would even say that i am closer to being that audience than you because there is part of me that's a little bit like if a comic book is going to commit to being dumb and kick-ass and really commit and not necessarily take itself seriously.
1: But yeah, not subconsciously consciously commit, not yeah. like in the audience. There is something for something that just goes fine. Yeah. This is what I am. But even then I want to see something surprising, mm. you know, and there's, there's nothing surprising. in Absolute Carnage. that again, like I said, I haven't read the last two issues mm-hmm. for all I know. Like it's got a shocking third act.
0: I have to say one of the things that really the closest thing I had to a big shock was that it kept going (laughs) was I really (laughs) did have a point where I was like, okay, well surely we're at the wrapping up point. And there was another 40 uh, pages left. In other words, two issues. So probably right around issue four. I'm like, okay, this is, this is done, right? No. Uh, I, I, so I think that the sort of commit to the big idea is, um, is again I'm I I I think what struck me as interesting was a. Cates had the feel you get the feeling that he's committed to it. That is the part that's weird because, like you said, the storytelling is bad. Like the. What, as you said, the kind of you're saying who the character's name over and over and over again. Like, there was no level at which I was like, I don't know what this guy could do or can't do. It was just everyone would get freaked out, he would do things, and then it was just like, okay, and like, there was this weird the, and again, this is something that does, is not necessarily without its charms, but a lot of the increasing threat uh, that Carnage is supposed to represent is more or less displayed visually because the villain, you see more of it and it looks more and more grotesque. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's even a couple of points where part of what's going on is, is there's like three different logos merging onto the character, which is... On the one hand, hilarious, but on the other hand, I was like, oh, I can see where people thought that that would look cool. You've got the Venom slogan, and then you've got the Carnage slogan, and then you've got, I don't know, Edith Joes or whatever the third thing was. And I was like, oh, okay. But but I, at the same time, I'm like, what is the threat here? And what's also weird is the threat in it as as articulated in the first issue is more or less still the threat articulated in the fourth issue. And there's no sense that it's increased. um, Like there's no sense of progress. There's merely Kate's just suggest having people say it's worse and acting more freaked out. But yeah, yeah, one of the things like why, why it really those last two issues were kind of like eh, is there wasn't really any sense of knowing there was no sense of what the stakes were other than you sort of kept being told them, but they were not shown in any way and they weren't really explained well. Like there's that it, and it gets into that weird thing of like. Here's Carnage, and then there's 97 other Carnages that he has made. And part of me is like, so what? You know what I mean? Like, there was never any point. That is the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting in sort of a um, I want to be a successful screenwriter stage is Kate's weirdly was like, okay, I'm going to have lots of cool character moments, which is to say people shouting things and having showdowns with one another and people being like, Oh my God, you have to do this thing. No, I cannot do this thing, but you absolutely have to do it or else we're all dead kind of thing. And yet when Mm -hmm. it came to the action sequences, I'm literally like, I don't understand what this character can do and that character can do. And I don't understand if that guy punches this guy is he strong? Well, that means, Is he weak? Yeah, yeah, yeah literally yeah. a lot of that, and and I wasn't sure to what point that was because honestly, I've really never given a crap about Venom or Carnage <laughs> or any of that stuff, so I didn't know to what extent it was like. Well, Jeff, if you had just read twenty plus years well, of Venom well, comics, you would know. But I, I'm really curious. Does the
1: collection include the uh, the Venom issues, the crossover issues? No. No, it doesn't. Because I read those Marvel Unlimited, honestly, because I was curious. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's parts of Absolute Carnage that, uh, not that they make more sense if you read Venom, mm-hmm. but like characters disappear from Absolute Carnage. Mm-hmm. And if you read the Venom issues, which are, I'll go as far as to say, also not good, right? Um, you at least understand where
0: they've gone. Right. Well, and there were one or two points in... Uh, absolute Carnage, where the editor shows up and is like, "Sleepy Joe, don't know what that is? Check out Venom 18, you know, or Venom 17." Yeah, yeah. And I, and part of me was like, "Okay, that's kind of helpful." The thing that's ironic is, uh, oh yeah, maybe this is the other thing. Is ah, uh, I am so sorry, whatnot. I should have done my research, but. Uh, There was a whatnot who totally recommended that I check out Jerry Conway's Carnage work from a few years back because he was like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of got that classic Marvel horror vibe. And I read it and I and read the first volume and I don't think I, I dipped into the second volume, but I was like, what's funny is how much stuff is seated for the event there. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on to pay off, including Eddie Brock and Carnage and John Jameson and a whole bunch of blah, 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 that they keep referring to this mining town, et etc. And I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. So I had that weird feeling of, wait, I even know some of the background to this. And to make things even weirder, I had read the Absolute Carnage Hulk issue because it was by Al Ewing. Yes, me too. And I'm like... After while, like I read this stuff, I was like, I have no idea where that fit in at all. So I went back and reread it, and I was like, Oh, okay, right. It Ewing made a good, and Kate's worked well to make sure that the parts played together. You know, I mean, admittedly, one thing you don't understand or i didn't understand when reading the absolute carnage hulk one shot was how much it covers the events of the first three issues of absolute carnage before really getting to the moment that it does uh so there are parts where i was like wait that didn't happen like that in the book i can't believe they didn't coordinate it and then two pages later i'm like oh like kind of how weird that general thunderbolt ross gets involved in like two mass grave incidents but okay yeah sure whatever um and so so i really had this thing and when you get to the gallery in the back of the absolute carnage collection there were 97,000 spin-offs tie-ins and one-shots and none of those are covered in absolute carnage the trade it's just the free comic book day story And then the five-part issue, since it's all by uh, Cates and Ryan Stegman, I think, Mm -hmm. with, like, differing inkers, on the one hand, I was like, oh, this makes sense for this book because it felt like a consolidated read, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, between knowing about the one-shots, knowing about the editor's stuff, and... And everything, and on all these other, like, the Cult of Carnage and the Absolute Carnage hero one-shots and all that, I'm like, there's a ton of shit that is, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's not even reference slash identified. Like, there's things that I know about by sort of being a comic book reader on the outskirts of what you of the direct market who kind of vaguely track some of this stuff. And it's amazing to read something that Marvel is putting out as a trade that literally has so little context. You know what I mean? It it,
1: it is amazing. I even reading in individual issues, it's something that has no give. Yeah. Mm hmm. Like you know, it's something that's basically like yeah, I really hope you've been reading Venom at mm-hmm. the very least, right? If not, or you know, countless other books, because there's a whole subplot set up with Miles Morales in the main series that you know, right? Doesn't really go anywhere. Hmm. Hmm. Right. You well. Know, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's it gives for maybe, a couple. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it does by the time you get to the end but yeah. you know definitely in the issues I've read it's pretty much like oh no they've got miles okay then
0: yeah no and that's pretty much it That that's kind of about as far as it goes although there is one point where they're like hey remember that time that you did this well now I'm doing this and was that the venom blast bit yes it was is that is that in issue 4 I thought they that's didn't get sure. to that no, issue 5 no, or 6 a, no that's an issue 4
1: oh Jesus Christ um, but no, it's 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 just it's really sloppy. It's funny. I uh, I I couldn't tell you why I decided to read Absolute Carnage. I genuinely don't know. Yeah, I'm really curious. Um, but what's really interesting is like I haven't read War of the Realms past the first issue mm-hmm. because I didn't really like it, and also part of me was like I don't want to read a sloppy crossover.
0: <laughs> and then I read this, which is like a, a disaster. Right. Right, and so oh. you 're like oh, i 'm now rethinking of that, and we 'll we 'll go read that so speaking weirdly enough, what I thought was fascinating was because um I was following in your Tumblr footsteps is after I read that, I went to see you kind of some of your other entries where you badmouthed it on the Tumblr. And um, you had had some panels that I had thought looked beautiful uh, earlier from Spider-Man Full Circle, and I was like, "Oh, I bet he read that because it was on Marvel Unlimited."
1: Yes, so oh,
0: yeah, it is on Marvel Artisan Hoopla. No,
1: it's on Marvel Unlimited. It's on, it's on Marvel, Marvel Unlimited, Unlimited week, Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. and so I read that immediately after, and literally just in a dead heat, like. You know, right up to the moment where you and I were supposed to be talking on the phone, like five minutes short. And so did you like it? I mostly did. I mostly liked it quite a bit. Now, you did not like Spider-Man Full Circle?
1: I think it's, uh, as I said in the Tumblr, I think it's something that was infinitely more fun for the people making it than for the people reading it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it very much feels that way. Well, uh, I yeah. mean, it, let's face it. It's it's DC Challenge, right? It's exactly,
0: experience. exactly.
1: You know, right? like DC Challenge, a series I love, like there's a point where they sh- like they go on too far, and the yeah. story just gets infinitely more complicated than anyone can actually summarize. Right? And then you try and summarize it. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um. There's there's things in it I like a lot. Mostly the art, to be honest. Oh yeah, the art is um, really the, good the art for is, most is, of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um although it's it it, this is purely my taste Mm -hmm. it's hilarious to me that you have a book that looks amazing and then mark bagley is the the person they get to wrap it up and you're like okay then (laughs) (laughs) i mean sure i get that mark bagley is like you know a spider-man legend but right like it feels unfair Mm -hmm. at that point it really does um but the 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 writing is and again this is kind of the default of the format not just uneven but it's it's kind of a fucking disaster by the end of it
0: well yeah honestly i think that if you know what you're getting into i kind of felt like your your own like it's going to end up being a disaster Basically, you know, because yeah. I've read the DC challenges and Commandy Challenger or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they're they're just they're, you know, again completely nonsensical by the end. Of right, right. There's about two thirds, like about two thirds of the book through, where I was like, oh, I think they might actually pull this off, Cause and, it, and and then they don't yeah and then they don't in part because they still have another two or three chapters to go, and they they pretty much screw the pooch or they turn around and contradict what they were doing earlier, or you know there was just there's just a it just kind of kept going and they kept doing it and kept doing this and that, and then I was like, no.' But right up to it, what I was going to say was how funny it was that I thought that you could have six or seven different writers on an 80-page one-shot that are working exquisite corpse style. And at least for the first two-thirds, three-quarters of it, it felt more cohesive than Absolute Carnage did. Now (laughs) – Really I, 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 falls apart in those last couple of chapters in that sense. But
1: it, it's it's and honestly and you know, a spoiler's question mark, mm-hmm. um it falls apart for me pretty much as soon as Al Ewing's done. No, exactly. Exactly. But very but very much uh with the the cliffhanger at the end of the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Like the spider pig one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and it's uh, – on one hand, I think it's Kelly Thompson who writes that chapter. Um, you know, applause to her for giving a cliffhanger that actually can't be can't be wrapped up.
0: Right. Do you know
1: what I mean? Like, which is kind of the point of the game, I guess. Yeah. Um, I also think it's hilarious that the very next chapter is Jason Aaron refusing to take the whole thing seriously at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that was funny to me you know to the detriment of the book but it's really funny to me that you know kelly thompson goes and now he's a pig
0: it's ah. like fuck it yes for like, what it's worth i, I... To do a Craven's last hunt joke yes yeah which was kind of amazing for for what it's worth it was um actually i think chip Zdarsky. Yeah,
1: it is it's chip are right yeah it's the chapter before Young. exactly it's it's um like congratulations for for breaking the story
0: right but also it breaks the story right right exactly and then at that point it's just this uh very uh, like kind of out of control spinny thing which is which is a shame because kelly thompson's Part was, I knew what you, right on the edge, I was kind of like, huh, I'm surprised by, maybe it was because I didn't quite like the the art as much or whatever. But yeah, by the time that you get to, Zdarsky gets through doing it. uh, It was also weird to me and not something that I think I will linger on because there's some other stuff I want to mention and or ask you about. But I will say that it the thing that also struck me about spider-man full circle is how much it felt like kind of a confirmation of oh my spider-man really is not their spider-man anymore you know like it's hard to imagine spider-man full circle without dan slot's spider-man even though dan slot isn't in the book
1: yeah it's involved yeah
0: you know sort of similarly there was something although it's that whole wasn't the whole red goblin stuff dan slots yes. spider-man as red well Go- red goblin stuff is the last storyline from Dan dance exactly fight. and that it's a big chunk of absolute is a big plot point in absolute carnage for reasons that i found almost inexplicable and I, yeah mm-hmm.
1: there's so much like of absolute carnage that also just feels like
0: a reminder of how
1: needlessly complicated marvel continuity has become
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly uh you know well i mean it sort of makes sense because the whole codex thing angle of absolute carnage really all but was a and and this i think is also when i say there was no sense of movement or you couldn't get a sense of what the stakes were was as as is often the case whatever spin offs or tie ins or whatever are supposed to be, you know, moving that store story forward. But it it always felt like absolute carnage was was always like, oh no Carnage is just one character codex chip away from being able to reawaken the dark god on the Venom planet, you know. And then the next issue is like, "Oh god, no, he's just one half chip away. Oh, now it's worse because he'll have access to all of the and it's just What are you what are you talking about? Anyway, yes, full circle. Part of me was very much had this thing of uh, I don't know. I was just reading it, being like, "Yeah, I don't have much of a." It's outside Spider-Man continuity, but there was just this strange feeling of, "Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's supposed to. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's full circle is supposed to read like a Dan slot free Spider-Man comic because there's a point. There is a point." where uh, Wolverine and Nick Fury are going to uh, torture an AIM soldier. And and Spider-Man is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't truck with no torture. And, of course, part of me is like, yeah, you are. You've, you all but tortured someone 24-style, you know, in Dan Slot's run back when you were Iron Spider 6 or something, you know? Like, there was kind of that weird thing of... Uh, Full Circle is so jammed with um, Marvel continuity but only for the purposes of having in-jokes, which kind of makes sense considering the book that it is. And yet one of the things that I found really weird about it is the way in which um, DC Challenge and Commandy Challenge are, despite the relatively wacky way of doing things... A more or less straightforward take on – they're trying to tell a straightforward commandy story or a straightforward DC story. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a – As
1: strange as they get.
0: Yes. It almost feels
1: like it could be read by someone who's like, I
0: know who Superman is. Right. Exactly. And I mean – this had certain elements of like, oh sure, if you know Spider-Man, blah blah blah. But there was a certain point and somewhere around Spider Pig and the giant punching high evolutionary, I'm like these are it's it's not even fan service. It's kind of like it's kind of like an in joke. Like again, Spider-Man, it's supposed to be a humor, you know, he's humorous. Sometimes you can do the humorous stories, but, but I just, it was weird how much the entire Marvel universe felt like, um, like a winking in-joke, you know what I mean? So consistently in a way and that, that it was kind of like, oh, I guess that's kind of just how everyone views the Marvel universe now, you know, it's like, you you pick your favorite shoddy part of the Marvel universe and you kind of joke about how goofy or dumb it is. You know, I don't know. I, anyway, I don't know why you made me read it, Graham, but at least I was a little more positive about it than than absolute carnage. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I this
1: this week, if you want to know what is going to be coming up, I suspect yes um tales of the dark multiverse which is a book i read in hoopla oh yeah really tales of the dark multiverse is literally dc doing what if mm-hmm. uh, to the point where there's even a fake watcher i love him he's called the tempest fugitive fugitive or something like that <laughs> i might mis- might be misremembering that um but it completely like goes into the thing that everyone remembers about marvel's what if series which is they always ended up badly yes yeah everyone ends up dying yeah because it's the dark multiverse because every story which is based on like you know a big dc story um every story goes bad every single one
0: wow honestly it sounds terrible but jeff i kind of dug it that is hilarious now you said this is on hoopla it
1: is on hoopla yeah
0: Oh, I gotta, I gotta find that and check that out so that it's,
1: we... um, it's Infinite Crisis, Death of Superman, Nightfall, the Judas Contract. uh shit! There's one more because it's five. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the fifth one is. Mm-hmm. Uh, hang on, I'll, I'll open up Hoopla and take a look.
0: Also, when? Matt. How long ago did it get released? Because oh, like seen... it's, it's, really
1: recent. Blackest Night, Blackest Night is the other one. Mm. Um, and it's, it's kind of hilarious to me that it really is just like, what if without pretending, Right. like you, you go into going, this is going to turn out bad. And of course it does. And it turns out bad in like, in every way, in, in each one, like in a kind of hilarious way. Right. The, the Nightfall one in particular is so great in where they go for it to go bad. <laughs> oh. Like you kind of take your hat off. You're like, well played. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I no, like, am... I, like I, I genuinely, I genuinely, weirdly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've been reading this week. That uh, I've read House of X and Powers of X, uh, Powers of Ten. Oh, really? Yeah, again on Hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because, honestly, I wanted to read the collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like skipping between issues on, on Marvel Unlimited.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it reads really weirdly a second time around. Hmm. Um, because I remember when the first the first time it came around, like you know, we were both like, "Oh shit, this is really impressive," and then that faded. Mm-hmm. And when you go into it and you know the shape of it, mm-hmm. uh, or at least for me, I'm much more aware of like the weird things. Like, why are some things italicized for no reason? Mm-hmm. Pacing so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, why are things split between series? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is this? Why does he reveal this now and then this now? What do these things, what do the different timelines actually mean? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what is he trying to say here? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's uh, an arguably more interesting and more flawed experience rereading it.
0: Hmm. Uh, So more interesting because it's flawed or is there something more about interesting it interesting
1: because I, I feel the first time I read it when it was when it was coming out when it was being published I was much more wowed by it
2: mm-hmm.
1: yes being, this is a bold choice mm-hmm. this is a bold choice this is amazing and then you know as it went on like you know why are the X-Men the fucking bad guys <laughs> this is a cult <laughs> you know and and taking away the surprise element of that mm-hmm mm-hmm and you sort of, you, I got like much more into the, what does it actually mean? Mm-hmm. Like what what is the what is the point of this? Where is this going? Mm-hmm. Like why doesn't this? You know it 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 fails as a singular reading experience. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, that's no false of its own. It's there to introduce a status quo, mm-hmm. right? But beyond the introducing status quo, there's no story to House of X and Powers of Ten mm-hmm. as an entity. Mm-hmm. You know, it 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 introduces the new status quo, but it doesn't do anything with it yet. Well, it it it, and I'm <sighs> not sure it's meant to. Right, like I feel like, I feel like that's sort of I, I feel that's an unfair criticism in, in many ways because that's not what it was intended to do. Mm-hmm. But I also can't help because that's twelve issues of comics, right? Right.
0: Well, I would say that part of what, um, what might make it less than rewarding on a reread is the is the fact that the it seems like it's telling a story. But it's really setting the status quo because there's all that stuff with the um, taking place in Powers of Ten that's, you know, the far future stuff and you're tr- waiting to see how it all sort of ties together. And then it does in a way that, you know, more or less ties it off and then resets it. So the idea is that you yeah yeah know yeah. the background and the stakes and the things. So I... Mm-hmm. I would uh, I, say that it kind of does do a thing, sort of. It's just when you yeah, know it what it's not it, it supposed sort of to. Makes, yeah. It sort of
1: faints at doing the thing. Yeah. You know, you get the, uh, now is there, there's the Master Mold satellite. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's like, the team going up against it. And, and you know, oh, my God, the X-Men are dead. But, like, when you know that's all a feint. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, all of that is basically the reveal of, oh, no, they're, they can't die anymore. Mm-hmm. Then all of the lead up feels, uh, I don't know, like, worthless isn't the right way of putting it, but um, insincere, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a way of saying, like, it feels false.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it reads differently when you know that it's there ultimately to... Create a situation where it looks like all hope is lost, but there is, all hope is not lost because they're they're cloning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and so it just, when you have that for knowledge, it rereads really strangely. Right. Yeah, I would think so, uh, and you, you become very aware of how much of it is written for the first read.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think I think that's a huge point. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and
1: it doesn't stand like it doesn't. I don't think it stands up. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, is it meant to think about all the, the comics that we love, that we love because they're written as periodicals? Yes. And they weren't written, written to be collected and they weren't written to really be revisited. Right. They were written as throwaway material. Mm-hmm. And so, again, is it is it unfair of me? to to ding this stuff for not standing up to reread it it's i don't know i'm conflicted i
0: i i, I, I am conflicted about it what? i i kind of want you to reread it now <laughs> uh, you know it's funny i would i'm half tempted to and i've come across it you know once or twice because it is the you know the issues are on marvel unlimited and then that the collected trade is on hoopla um One of the reasons why I may not, and this may or may not help you much, but I'm uh, one of the things that House of X Powers of 10 reminded me of in several ways was season three of Twin Peaks. In that season three of Twin Peaks, like um, House of X Powers of 10, was more or less coming out weekly uh I, and it had it was a lot of people who were excited about it on twitter were excited about it and excited to throw theories around and a lot of people said the same thing about each thing which was a little bit of or more than a little bit of it's so great to be able to have something that I'm excited to talk about with other people. Like finally some discourse that is positive and exciting and filled with ideas. You know, everyone seemed to like wrestling with the puzzle of it, of Twin Peaks, again, Twin Peaks season three and House of X powers of 10. One of the things that I have learned uh about, uh, I really love David Lynch's stuff. And one of the things that I have found is there was a period where, and I still do, have the majority of his movies on DVD. And one of the things that struck me was, um, I remember watching Mulholland Drive, which I saw in the theater, and adoring uh, it and had it on DVD was sort of letting it sit there forever and finally I'm like ah I'm going to I'm going to bust this out and I'm going to watch this and I found it kind of it wasn't unwatchable but it was flat and one of the mm-hmm. things that I realize about Lynch is for me is is that the 50% of the experience that makes him so addictive is watching it and not knowing where it's going to go. And once you know where it's going to go, like there's kind of rewatching it to me generally feels like a diminished experience. Now the thing both Lynch has a lot of stuff layered in there. So if you start watching it for different things, if you can watch it in a quote unquote different way, you can continue to get just, a lot out of it um or as is sometimes the case you can get that from watching it the first time and then reading the annotations of people who are smarter than you that really dig in and do the work i find that that might be the case with hickman in that the first time through reading it it can be incredibly enjoyable because there is a lot of his like woo woo look at what i'm doing but but i wouldn't necessarily want to reread it like even even in the course of reading uh the whole avenger his two avengers titles on the lead-up to secret war like there were parts where i was reading it and i really had some aggravated frustrations because he was plot hammering like crazy but i also saw that you know a lot of people were excusing it because he was doing it to give you stuff with the characters that you had quote unquote never seen before and of course it was kind of like yeah and i'm gonna break all i'm gonna break everything and then it's going to be reset by the reboot so it's not a perfect analogy in a way because of course i thought that I thought that Hickman didn't even do that right. Like by the end, I thought it was more or less falling apart and he kind of screwed the pooch, but a, I kind of get people who read that being like, holy fuck. And who probably if they read it again, would be like, eh, you know what I mean? So I think that, I think that Hickman is a dude who does a lot of really clever, clever shit that, that when you read it through the first time, you're like, wow, wow. Oh, my God. But if you reread it or revisit it, once the oh, my God is there, there's all the stuff that he's doing that, like you said, you kind of have a little bit of a why is he doing this? You know, like there's a little bit for me, more than a little bit in House of X, Powers of Ten, where... It wasn't so much that I felt like he was being obtuse for, you know, for obtuse's sake. One thing that I do think is interesting is his Hickman... um, Hickman will do the comic book trope of having characters say why they're doing what they're doing. But he doesn't do the comic book writer trope of telling you why he's doing it necessarily. Within yeah. the narrative, if you know what I'm saying, and so, so there is part of me that is kind of, I don't know if I read House of X Powers of Ten again, like I'm like, okay, so the thrill would be gone, and like you said, there's a lot of reading it, being like, why did he make this choice, you know, without it being kind of, uh, you know, was this the choice that was just going to to blow the most minds of the readers like i do think i do think there's a lot to be said setting the x-men up uh, by the end of um house of x powers of 10 is he's done a lot of um re with things where once again it's the you don't know how you're supposed to feel about the X-Men by the time you get to that. And that's maybe not a bad thing. I can't imagine it being in any way a good groundwork for four or five outgoing series from it. But I do four think... Four or five, you I, do, I know, right? That shows you how little I'm paying attention. But But I do see, like, at the end of it, I'm like, okay, well, I can see why people would be weirded out by the x-men now in the marvel universe in a way that they have not weirded people out or have weirded people out only in the most tired and rote ways for the last 10 to 20 to 30
1: years no no entirely it it does renew the idea of the x-men as being feared and hated yeah right because you can legitimately fear and hate Mm -hmm. who these characters are now if from the point of view of, of humanity in within the Marvel universe i should right. say right yeah yeah
0: exactly but uh so i thought i thought there was a lot of things that he did that that were were really clever but but it was amazing how much by the time i got to the end of it uh i was like okay i can totally wait for marvel unlimited To get to the first issues of the new titles. And now that those issues are hitting Marvel Unlimited, I'm like, me too. I was like, yeah, I don't feel any burning desire to read them. Yeah, right? Kind of weird. Kind of a bummer because of how exciting and interesting and challenging everything seemed at the time. And now, six months later, I'm kind of like, "Mm." I mean. Not, Not only that,
1: six months later, when there are basically new and new comics coming out. Mm hmm. And we're still like, "Eh, you know, I can can find other things to read.
0: Well, yeah, because I think we do have other things. I mean, for better or for worse, you know, like the X-Men was our jam for a crucial period of our lives and then has not been our jam for, by this point, a much longer (laughs) period, right? So there is a little bit where I'm like, yeah, no, I would rather find some weird fucked up manga to read. Then sit down and and kind of, because I just don't have, I don't really have the confidence that people are going to be able to pull off the stuff that he sets up. Unlike a lot of people on the internet, I'm not even confident Jonathan Hickman can pull off the stuff that he sets up you know, half the No, time.
1: entirely. Well, but also, and, and this was sort of underscored by rereading the, the House of X, powers of 10 for me, mm-hmm. I'm not even that interested in what he's setting up. Mm. Like, there's something, there is actually something really fucking weird about the, the background of, of the X universe now. Mm-hmm. In that, like, they have cures to diseases that they're withholding for political reasons. Right. Right. You know, that reads really weird now. Yeah. Oh, good point. That reads really weird now right right um you know if you want more entirely i think accidental mm-hmm. reading for the x-men or the bad guys mm-hmm. um they they are <laughs> do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. in today's day and age
0: mm-hmm. they they 100 percent are because we, we're in the middle of a pandemic well but i thought the thing was by the end of it they do have their island nation and they did provide those things didn't they or did i miss uh, that they- part
1: no, it's all provided with strings attached.
0: Well, it's sure. Basically,
1: you 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 provide us with what we want, and we will provide
0: these drugs for you. Right. Well, so I'm like, they did it. I mean, you know, again, there's no, but again,
1: again, like it's it feels. uh put this way, if someone, if Doctor Doom was doing that, it's the start of a Fantastic Four story. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You're not like, well, liberia has got
0: a point. Uh, you know, so I think there's two things going on here, which is, is because I'm 90% sure there has been something sort of oh, similar exactly. with Dr. Doom, yeah, right? There's, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, Lex Luthor and think is cured cancer at least three times. Right.
0: And so there's always the step one where it's like, oh, there's the strings and you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of shitty. But then usually with Dr. Doom, because again... You know, good old Stan Lee would make a point to be like, oh no, no, no. You know, those fools, once they inject my cure, they'll become exactly. doom loving yeah, androids. You know Yes, the strings of. are very bad. Yeah, exactly. There's yes. stage one of the strings, and then there's always the stage two. And who knows, maybe that's something that's that's gonna happen there. I mean, I don't know. I'm such a weird prude when in the Fantastic Four Black Bolt had, like, five wives or whatever, and everyone's like, this is awesome! I'm like, is it? You know, like, I just... Like, I was just kind of like... In in Hickman's Yeah, yeah, in Hickman's thing. He's very much...
1: Hickman is really into polyamory in a way that's kind of fascinating to me because mm, mm-hmm. there's also the well now scott's seeing emma and jean and jean's like right. fucking cyclops and and wolverine and, wolverine, and they've all got adjoining chambers yeah oh, right no and it's I like it. on the one hand you know go on
0: yourself on the other hand i wonder if he's actually trying to say something without saying it oh you mean that he's he's pro polyamory or something well, I mean, surely inherently he's pro polyamory in that, like the
1: the heroes of his stories are are indulging in it.
0: Well, right? the, indulging
1: is the word practicing it,
0: what's, right? What's the, your, yeah? Your, yeah your, we sound really judgmental in a way. I, know. I uh, it, uh, So I, th- I I see your how do I put it? No, but,
1: but like I feel I feel like there's I don't know. It's it's when it, it's part of it might also be, and I don't know how conscious Hickman is of this. Mm-hmm if Hickman's doing it to troll fans, mm-hmm. and not in the sense of to get people upset, but to, like, the excitement over the they all have adjoining join, a rooms thing. Right. Was honestly kind of embarrassing for everyone who's like,
0: oh my god, this is amazing! right? Well, no, and I think, A, again, I think there's something... Uh, the, I haven't read a, enough Hickman, like, uh, which is... Believe me, by choice. But it's like I haven't read his shield <laughs> stuff. I haven't read his New Warrior stuff. I did not finish the Fantastic Four stuff. I didn't read the majority. I you know barely made it. I think maybe all the way through the first volume of East is West. Two issues of the Manhattan Projects. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a Hickman dude. Like I've sampled his stuff. I'm always like it never quite really rings my yeah, chimes.
1: It doesn't really land for you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. So the parts that tend to, that I have read when he uses the polyamorous element. So, so could be all throughout his work in which case, yeah, that would be a case where I've seen it in the Marvel universe. It seems to serve two purposes for me, which is, you know, one step, let's just grow the fuck up. And the second step, I ended up read growing up reading science fiction novels, and those were all written by freaks, you know? So there's a little bit of, in the same way that Black Bolt takes on four wives, it's such a um, horny sci-fi way of being like, well, this is what kings and queens had to do to blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, check, mm-hmm. check out, um, you know, the, the Dune's Men of Gore slash Gore of Dune, you know, cross trilogies, you know? It's like, okay, fine. I I kind of see... And, and similarly, in the X-Men, one of the things that I thought was funny was the way that Hickman is... In, in the same way that he's kind of like, okay, we have to put some of these tropes to bed, no pun intended or update them is this idea of like, yeah, they're all fucking. Now, what are you going to do? Like, here's a whole island of people fucking in a veiled text, subtext kind of way that I feel again is, is honorable to quote unquote, the source material. If your source material is. It's clear. Exactly. So, yeah. so part of me is like, okay, like it, it made sense sort of in the way that Morrison, some of Morrison's choices did of like, okay, so we're taking off the how can I, you know, taking off a, a lot of the dumb romantic melodrama, but leaving the stated, un, you know, the unstated but in the open um, pro kink side of the x-men i you know again
1: yeah exactly if you take away the romance but leave the horniness right exactly you know yeah no, maybe, maybe it is that. i've got to admit like i am just i i i think i just want it to be true Mm-hmm. that Hickman is like trolling everyone mm-hmm. not, and not even trolling people who are polyamorous but trolling the people who either think that it's terrible or get far too excited about other people's relationships right right no so that exactly. sense like mm-hmm.
0: that that's kind of what I wish he was more than anything else well yeah I mean that, uh, but ultimately I think that is my problem more than anyone else I well I don't know about more than anyone else I'm never really sure if Hickman has is particularly invested in character because i'm not it's really that i, I feel I, that yeah. you
1: know what i, I mean i think that character is uh yeah and i've you know i've made this joke before, but i think character is like another like rule on his excel spreadsheet
0: right exactly exactly he's got a formula that exists to how to show it in a way that works to a degree of satisfaction but it's just not necessarily his thing and and that's and that's fine he's successful he does other stuff there's uh, you know again he's very very popular um within the within the fandoms that he does he even did stuff that got that can get me excited uh again on that first read through but i can't really see myself being super excited to revisit it um because, again, there's usually some element that is not there that I – or something that I don't connect with. And so I – you know, and just – yeah. Anyway. Uh, sure, short version. Short yes, version. Not, he, will, he will join me
1: on Absolute Carnage and will not join me on rereading House of X.
0: If it makes you feel better, I did download Tales from the DC Dark Multiverse. But, yes.
1: Oh, good, good job. I will um, not. Oh, you – you know, so I I worked my way through Countdown to Final Crisis. Yes, and uh, you'll probably to know I'm now reading or rereading, I should say,
0: Brightest Day. I have to say, I wanted to reread Brightest Day, uh, read Brightest Day. I got the first trade like on sale digitally, or no, I think I checked it out of the library, and it was one of those classic situations. Where they must not have liked it very much because they got volume one and then they never got volume two, and I'm hoping that I can read it on DC Universe Cause, oh yeah, I mean the whole thing's on DCU. Yeah, so because that had a little bit of that's I think is it entirely Johns and he's not it's, it's not a Johns Lee
1: weekly... oh, It's Massey. it's Johns Massey, and it was every two weeks. Yeah, right. So um, and it is. Uh, it, it it's kind of fascinating to read in light of DC Rebirth, mm-hmm. uh, because it's literally like rebirth, right? It's all these characters coming back from the dead, right. and they pretend, you know, there's one story linking everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what it really is is Jeff Johns trying to Jeff Johns eyes all these characters, right? Yeah. By which I mean, you know, what's the emotional core of these characters, and also what's the tragedy that I can link their origin to? Hmm. 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 Um. And it's it's interesting to see how these things are successful and unsuccessful Mm -hmm. uh, simultaneously and which ones work and which ones don't. Mm. You know, it's kind of hilarious to uh, and, and really like, again, horribly on the nose. Mm-hmm. To see there's a gateway to the origin of where the end metal comes from and it's made of the bones of all of Hawkman and Hawkwoman's previous selves. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. right? Or Deadman didn't actually die again because he never appreciated life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, really? Because, you right. know, Eesh. Um Or, or uh, giving the Martian Manhunter a new arch-villain by going, he was the second Martian to come through Dr. Erdl's machine. Mm-hmm. But the first one was a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there, you're like, oh, okay, sure. Right. But. Right. Um, and it, there's, again, bits work and bits don't. hmm But when you compare it to something like 52, right? 52, I think, for the most part, works. Right. And, ha- and has a momentum that really carries it through. Mm-hmm countdown to final
0: crisis
1: (laughs) just doesn't like it's like the anti-52 right um brightest day is literally like the synthesis Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of those two things and is again there's a momentum carrying it through but it's it's all feeling forced much more than 52 was well, yes. I'm only halfway through right now. I should say that, like, maybe by the time I come to end, I'll be like, ah, I've completely forgot. That it all came together in a very convincing swamp thing reveal. Spoilers. I remember it doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, it's it's another thing where, like, reading it again, knowing what how it ends,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is a moment of like, oh, really? This is all leading to swamp thing, really?
0: Mm-hmm. You, you know, th-
1: I'm not sure you seeded that appropriately. Pun intended. <laughs> wah
0: wah wah wah. The thing that I thought was because uh, I didn't read Brightest Day, but I remember you reading Brightest Day and writing about it for the Savage Critic. Maybe uh, was me being like, "Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to read it because it, it." And this was this did remind me of Johns when Johns was going on good good or on his game is that he f- would his stories his bigger stories would build to something and would simultaneously um, end satisfactorily and then open the door to something new. And I don't think that that was so much the case with brightest day. So it turns out to be, but one of the things that I thought was kind of brightest day came out of blackest night. And one of the things that I liked about blackest night was it was a big big, you know black hand dc zombie story Mm -hmm. but at the end of it it's kind of like oh okay so there's no more coming back from the dead at the end of it
1: yeah 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 it it felt like what's really funny is uh, brightest day was running at the same time as um justice league generation lost the two Mm -hmm. were alternating on the release schedule um and both of them end with setups for the status quo moving forward. Like right. Generation Lost ends with the JLI have gone back together, but now they're a team of serious superheroes and they're out to get Max Lord. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh and like makes have being rebuilt and they've done like a whole a whole chunk of work there. Right. Brightest Day ends up going swamp things here. Mm-hmm. Like and something is now uh, a fairly aggressive defender of, of Earth, mm-hmm. but also we have we have spent a year retooling, you know, Hawkman and mm-hmm. uh, Aquaman and yeah. a new status
0: quo and, for Deadman and, yeah. and
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. for all of these characters yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, And then none of it happened because pretty much as soon as they finished, like three months later, the new 52 started.
0: Well, yeah, because that's the weird, that's one of the things that really flips my noodle. And again, is that classic. It would be, um, I I do hope that we live long enough to kind of see people open up and tell the stories about what was going on back there because it's to me in my mind pretty clear that flashpoint was was not not intent yes yeah and so in part because jeff john spent a ridiculous amount of time like you said setting new status quos for these characters coming up with a new way to to his new, quote-unquote, new status quo of the DC Universe with the reintroduction of Swamp Thing was a little bit about this, oh, holy shit, the Vertigo characters coming back into the DCU. And then, you know, and then you get Flashpoint and the new 52. And you're like, oh, so yeah, all of that just gotten got pushed overboard. You know, like, clearly it seems very likely that Dan Tadio came in, you know, either with a a different idea that superseded everyone else's, or you know, a different idea that had superseded his own earlier idea, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, "Oh, so we're recreating the entire universe from scratch?" He's like, "Yep, that's what's going to do it. Yeah, uh, that,
1: that's our that's our mission."
0: Right? Exactly. So. Yeah, so there is a way, and I have to admit, like Brightest Day, I read Volume One in the local library, the local branch of my library, and I, I'm sure I could have gone online and looked and requested Volume Two. And I don't even remember how many collections they, how many three. I think did. I think there's three. I think there are three. That makes sense. And I was kind of like, I, I had in the back of my brain, I was like, oh, this was a fun read, but a didn't And when I say fun, I mean half of it was fun and half of it in just the first volume seemed like some really pure high-octane vamping. Like when mm-hmm. it got to the end of the first trade, it had such a strong ending. I was like, oh, so they did plot this out in kind of a three-act structure, but they really had to vamp to get to the end of where their structure break was coming, which I'm not sure if that was going to bode well for the next two volumes. But I did have that moment of like, but none of this really matters. So why am I going to spend the time to read a couple hundred pages of it? You know, quote unquote matters. Like I was like, I'm not really enjoying it enough to find out like, you know, what Hawk and Dove's new role in this, you know, new era that ends up not existing whatsoever, you know, is going to be. So
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, whereas for me I'm like, that's exactly what I want to spend my time to.
0: Right. Well, I kinda get that. I mean, it is there is a weird um way I mean, it's it, it's super weird to be like, that that was a decade ago. Right. Well, A, there's that. But it's it's like um how do I how do I put it? It's you know it, it's apocrypha and it's gnostic text now. You know what I mean? Like the, some of that stuff happened, but then didn't happen and may or may not matter ever again. But there is something where if you've got the time, it's like oh, it's kind of interesting and fascinating, precisely because it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't. Well, that's just it. Like I'm,
1: I'm I'm looking forward to not only getting to the end of the series, but also reading the Swamp Thing series that followed it, Mm -hmm. where they desperately and quickly tried to tie up that plot for the New 52. Because I never read that. There was, like, a three-issue Swamp Thing thing that followed it. Wow. Oh, right. With John Constantine. Right. That was John Constantine's return to the DC universe. That's right. Yeah, and, like, that that makes me um, excited. It's probably not the right word. But Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really... I'm looking forward to, in the wrong re- for the wrong reasons, reading that.
0: Ah, finally. We finally, after 10 years and hundreds of episodes, come up with a solid motto.
1: <laughs> Our ethos.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. Excited in
0: reading comics for the wrong reasons. Sorry, yes, you were saying, Greg. No, I was going to say, Jeff, I think that's a sign that we should wrap it up. <laughs> it absolutely is. Do you think we can wrap it up in six or seven minutes before you start yes, buzzing? Yes, we can. We can, we Let's can. Let's do it.
1: So I'm going to say, hey, what nods? A, thanks for listening. B, uh, there will be show notes for this up at waitwhatpodcast.com Com when this is released. Because Jeff is really on top of his game. While you're waiting for Drock, which is either next week or two weeks, Jeff, tell me now. I thought we would do it next week. Okay, while you're waiting for Drug Dance week, you can check out the Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Pods. There's stuff happening there again. Uh, you can check out com. You can check out uh, at Wait what Podcast on Twitter. You can check out Jeff at Twitter, at lazybasset, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. You can check out me on Twitter, at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon-supported podcast, so Jeff can do this
0: super quickly. Go! Hey, everyone, we are incredibly grateful for all of our listeners. Um, you guys really do uh, keep us on track and on target, which is pretty amazing if you really think about it because of how off track and how off target we are um, so much of the time. So if you can imagine what it would be like if you weren't kind of keeping us in line, it's, uh, it's, it's really, truly terrifying. Uh, Um, sorry, because I'm off track. I'm like, I wanted to thank we got we got a really we've uh, one thing that I really appreciate is we're, you know, the world's in kind of a screwy place. And Graham and I were really prepared and in fact have exhorted you guys several times that if you are feeling the fiscal punch. Um, definitely don't worry about, you know, un, um, if you were a patron of us on Patreon and throwing us cash every month, that is hugely appreciated. It does definitely, um, make our lives easier. It's incredibly gratifying to know that, that you guys not only like listening to us, you, you like it enough that you throw some of your hard earned dosh, but we don't want to put you in a tough situation but it's really gratifying that we've had some new patrons sign up uh and I'm trying to be better about sending them greetings and thank yous because among other things we got an amazingly sweet message from Stephen Bagatorian who's a new patron but as he mentioned in our, his message to us uh he is he has listened to the episode. He's listened to every episode. And as he said, it's helped. He said it's helped him through some tough times. I certainly don't know why he would lie about that. And I find that incredibly touching. So you guys really, honestly, listeners, patrons, Patreon people, you guys really do, um, continue to, uh, I think inspire us on the most, crucial and fundamental level to to keep doing this thing and putting this thing out in the world and that that means a lot to uh, my life and I, I think hopefully to to grams as well i want to thank dominic el franco friend of the podcast as well as empress audrey queen of the galaxy um for their continuing support of this podcast they are incredibly awesome as are you all uh audrey as ever gets a a big shout for being an intergalactic entity that um we would like to believe is looking out for all of us um from above thank you graham
1: uh first of all yes it does mean lot to me i just feel the need to say that in case my complete silence when jeff was saying that <laughs> taking me that i was like no mm-hmm. i just didn't want to interrupt i Secondly, appreciate that uh, it, we're recording we're actually doing this like an hour later than we normally do and it has been pointed out to me by other people in the house I meant that um, when I normally sing the goodbye mm-hmm. uh, I might be loud enough to be heard in other rooms oh, and so it said I'm going to do it relatively quiet tonight don't take this as anything other than being respectful for people who might be sleeping in this house right now mm. what
0: not? goodbye wow I thought you were just going to go. Oh.